Last week, we discussed an op-ed in USA Today regarding a Democratic activist, written by a Democratic activist, who is recognizing a trend within his party that he finds disturbing, and that is the rising influence of socialism. And, you know, not not socialism in the, you know, oh, I like Medicare sense of the word. We'll, we'll get into that later in the program. The, the varying degrees, the varying uh, shades of socialism, but hardcore socialism of the type that uh, this gentleman's family escaped when they fled Cuba during uh, its revolution. We now have on the line Giancarlo Sopa, who's joining us this evening on Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. appreciate you making the time to come on with us this evening. So for our listeners, can you summarize your piece here in USA Today? Give us a little bit of your family history and you know what, what you've been doing within the Democratic Party and what has sparked your recent concern. Yeah, sure. So I'm a Cuban-American. I was born and raised here in North Havana, a.k.a. Miami. Uh, and uh, I come from, like I said, I come from a Cuban family. Uh, I've, I've been involved in democratic politics uh, probably since about 2004 when I started volunteering uh, for John Kerry's campaign. I volunteered on both uh, pre- both of President Obama's campaigns. And then in 2016, my wife and I drove uh, 14 hours from Virginia to Tampa to uh, volunteer for Hillary Clinton. So I've uh, always, always been uh, committed to the cause, but uh, you know, I've always also been highly suspicious of socialism and it always seemed to me that those who that who who were promoting socialism within my party were kind of like you know like these crazy fringe elements that mm-hmm. you have to really worry about. Right. But it, it's become increasingly clear to me uh, within the past year or so that uh, I don't know if it's part of the Trump derangement syndrome that uh, half the country or more is going through, but um, there, you know the the socialist voices within the Democratic Party are increasingly uh, gaining prominence and you even had on the night of the election uh, or shortly thereafter of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York, you had the, the DNC chairman come out and say that this was the future of the party. Right. And in the following week, you had all sorts of prominent Democrats essentially tell, you know, tell people like me, listen, you need to shut up and get in line. Right. Uh, but I'm I'm not the kind of person who takes orders like that. Right. Uh, so I, I you know I'm 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 Cuban. I I don't take you know um, I, I don't suffer fools gladly. So uh, I decided to write the op bed to make it clear that democratic socialism or socialism, whatever you want to call it, that it's not what people think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most people associate it with places like Denmark and Norway or whatever. Right. Those are actually capitalist countries. I mean, what we're talking about, which is what the democratic socialists and groups like DSA are promoting, is hardcore socialism, the kind that my family fled from uh, in Cuba, and also the kind that millions of people in my community from Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Argentina, they fled in, in their countries. Uh, during various, uh, you know, ver- various socialist regimes you've had in those countries over the years. So it's something that I'm intimately familiar with, not just because of my family history, uh, but also because I grew up in South Florida. And a quick blurb about my family history. Uh, on my mom's side, 
Um, they were actually, it was funny, they were actually in the U.S. In the, in the 1950s for, you know, various family reasons, and then they moved back right after Castro comes to power uh, because my grandmother's mom got really sick and they wanted to be with her. And then they were stuck in, in Cuba for 20 years uh, trying to get out, and my grandfather tried to flee, and he was essentially stripped of his job as an accountant and demoted to cleaning zoo cages. Um and placed on minimum wage, which you know you can imagine in a in a in a socialist country, uh, you know, pays next to nothing. Right. You know, and that's on my mom's side. And on my dad's side, my father was in the Bay of Pigs invasion that tried to liberate Cuba, and his dad, my grandfather, uh, died as a political prisoner uh, about you know 24 years before I was born. So I never met him. Uh, but his only crime was just not being a communist. He was. Uh, he was a doctor, and he was he was jailed, and um, he died in prison. So it's something that hits close to home, but also something that I see my community lives on a daily basis. I think it's funny because most Americans, uh, I, I went to school up in the, in the Northeast, and you know I, I I travel frequently around the country. In most parts of the country, uh, Americans aren't really exposed to the news out of Latin America. But in Miami, it's it's on the six o'clock and eleven o'clock news hour, like on a daily basis. So you 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 have your local news, and then they, they usually do a segment or two about what's happening in Latin America. So uh, the realities of socialism or democratic socialism, whatever they want to call it, are very present in our minds because it's something that we live through on a daily basis. Um, so it's harder to pull the wool over our, our eyes. We're talking to John Carlos Sopa, who wrote an article in the USA Today, an op-ed, talking about uh, his experience coming from a family that escaped socialist Cuba. He has uh, acted as a Democratic activist within that party and supported a number of prominent campaigns, John Kerry's campaign, Barack Obama's campaign, Hillary Clinton's campaign, and now uh, finds himself facing a scenario where the the rise of democratic socialism is prevalent within the Democratic Party and it's raising red flags. My question for you, as somebody who, you know, from the outside looking in, somebody who's not a Democrat, never has been, what, how, how would you describe the, the non-socialist Democratic platform which appealed to you coming from your background as, as somebody who came out of a, a Cuban family that escaped socialism there? Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, so growing up, I saw how my parents, uh, or rather how my grandparents, benefited from Medicare. Uh, it was tremendously helpful because when they came to this country, they were almost, I mean, just imagine how horrible the situation was in Cuba that at 60 years old, they said, we'd rather leave what little we have behind and start completely anew at that Right, yeah, right. Um, so they worked, when they came to this country, they worked with janitors and uh, then, you know, they were able to, you know, benefit from Medicare and it saved their lives. So my my mom, she, growing up, uh, you know, she barely spoke English, so she worked as a social worker helping, um, you know, like geriatric, like elderly patients. So I saw the government do positive things, and I still think the government can do positive things if it's, if it's done, you know, if it's led by honorable people and works within, you know, like these strict constitutional limits. Um, that's one thing. I think that's what, like, most Democrats believe in, and I think... If you just if you start talking to people on a personal basis, that's that's where they are. I'm also from a state that's been historically moderate, right? Like this is a state that you know, like had Bob Graham and Lawton Child. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the Democrats who I who I grew up with. So on that front, I mean, I, I've always 
felt very comfortable within the Democratic Party here in Florida. But what I'm starting to see now at a, at a national level is that, like, this is no longer Bob Graham's party. I mean, right. uh, you know, this, it's a very – things are changing in toward, like, this intersectional identity politics direction. Right. And also uh, that's on that's on the identity politics side and then on, on the economic side, I, we're, we're way past FDR. Um, that's not what I signed up for. It's not what I think most people believe in. Uh, but there are some, I would say, you know, more than a handful of people within the upper echelons of the party who view this as an opportunity to get young people excited. Uh, right. I guess they've run out of ideas. So they're willing to uh, leverage the ignorance of a lot of young people and misinform them right. uh, just so that they can net political benefits for themselves. and, and Short-term and political benefits. I mean, that's always a dangerous yeah. strategy. And you know, speaking as, as somebody who, on, on the right side of the spectrum, has been part of an insurgent movement, the Tea Party, you know, when you yeah. have uh, establishment folks make promises or latch onto ideas and exaggerate them, expound upon them in such a way that it's undeliverable. All you're doing is setting yourself up to have a very angry constituency that's going to turn on you down the road. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think uh, the the promises uh, that, that politicians make to get these people aligned with them, like, you know, to get like groups like DSA on board, uh, th- those people are never, it, it, it's like a fool's errand, right? Like, you're never going to make those people happy because right. they're, it, it's, an, it's an ideological problem. There's no amount of egalitarianism that makes these people happy. I mean, because you even have communists and socialists in Denmark, which doesn't have nearly as much of like the wage disparities that we have here, right? It's like mm-hmm. a really flat society. Right. And you have a communist party there. It's, it's an ideological problem that these people have. It's, there's, no, there's no amount of equality that will make them happy because... Um, I don't know. I, I I can't explain it. It's just like I I thought in my family's country. I've been to Cuba myself. Like my my wife is from Cuba. Right. Uh, it, it's just a it's a mentality. It's just people yeah. are, are are crazy. Well, I mean, when you think about when you think about what has to happen in a person's mind and spirit and soul for them to get to the point where they're where they're part of the uh, communist Chinese party or establishment or the part of the, the socialist Cubist Cuban yeah. uh, establishment. It, to where you're actively subjugating individuals, m- murdering them, oppressing them. In order to justify that in your own mind, you have to have some sort of sense of moral authority. And I think that right. the the socialists, wherever they are, wherever they find themselves uh, active, have that sense of we're getting after something that's better, and therefore anything is justified, and that's a very dangerous position to proceed from. Very much appreciate you joining us tonight, John Carlos Sopo. Uh, you could find his piece at USA Today. We'll go ahead and tweet it out. Thanks for joining us tonight on Closing Argument. My pleasure. Have a good evening. Thank you. You too. 651-989-5855, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.